Welcome to the Writer's Hour, where we have creative conversations with up-and-coming authors on their latest books. This is the place to be if you wish to get a preview of new books that are available for the voracious bibliophile, as well as the story behind the story for the voyeur who wishes a peek behind the creative curtain. Here's your host, Janine Bolin. Welcome to the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. I'm your host, Janine Bolin, and with me today is a author who really was didn't know it, but in my family, my daughters were really excited that I was going to be interviewing her because they saw they see all these books on my desk of all these different writers I get to interview. And today we get Krista Barr. And what's fascinating, she wrote the book, Beautiful Badass, How to Believe in Yourself Against the Odds. And my girls then saw the cute little stickers that she put in the book. And I, was, I had to fight them. I had to fight them off with the stickers. Thank God she had three in the book because I was able <laughs> To kind of give two to my daughters, one to me. They thought they were awesome. But uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the book, what it means, how Krista was able to actually write. But let me introduce you a little bit to her. And that is she happens to be a career coach and speaker. And she specializes in helping women kind of create balance and advocate for themselves. And that's usually pretty hard to do with women. So the fact that she's coaching that, please listen up. Uh, Also, she helps women find happiness in work and life because, you know, as a solopreneur myself and as full-time women will tell you, full-time working women will tell you, is that if we're at work, we're wanting to be at home and working with the kids. If we're with the kids, we're thinking about work. And we just always feel like sometimes we're split not only in two ways, but like four ways. And we've got so many hats we're wearing. So thank God we have a founder and CEO of She Goes High, an introvert-focused women's leadership organization based in northern Colorado. Thank heavens Krista is here to talk to us a little bit about that too, as well as her book, Beautiful Badass. So Krista, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Janine. I'm really excited to talk to you more about my book and my writing process, as well as all of your listeners and and stickers. Talk about that, too, because I love stickers. (laughs) I'm a total. I was one of those Girl Scouts, man. I wanted to get every badge in the book. And I'm just as bad when it comes to stickers and I'm running around Comic-Cons or something like that. I'm running around to every table going paying a dollar at every table just so I can get a sticker from each of them. It's it's a a sad condition, but I own it. So. So let's go ahead and just jump right on in. Beautiful Badass. It's first, it's a wonderful title to have. And I'd love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about your why. Everybody's like, you need to know your why. You need to know your why before you start a business or a project. I like asking writers, what prompted you to write this silly little book? It's not silly. It's definitely not little. It's chocked with stuff. But you know, when we first approach our writing process, sometimes we're like, well, I need to get my book done. So help us out. So I was a blogger for about 11, 12 years, I think it was. And for years, people kept asking me, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? And every time someone asked me that question, I had so much resistance inside of me. I didn't know I wanted to write a book. I was like, I don't want to write a book. Stop asking me that. You know, that was the feeling that I had. I didn't know where all this pressure came from. And then I did this visioning exercise with a business coach I was working with and where you put yourself three years in the future and you just freeform write what's going on and where you're at and what you've accomplished. And it's not like to think ahead and plan ahead. It's just literally what comes up three years from now, you're sitting in a scene what are you doing? What's happened? 
And from that exercise, I wrote down, I surprised myself that I wrote down that I had published a book. And I thought, wow, that's weird. I don't want to write a book. And it turns out, well, maybe I really did. But, you know, I didn't immediately go straight to writing the book because I also had my coach reflect to me how I've always been a writer my whole life. And I thought, what are you talking about? I mean, I've been a blogger, but, you know, that's kind of different, right? Um, And then my coach pointed out to me how I had told him many stories of how I started writing short stories and poetry when I was about seven or eight years old and continued to write short stories and poetry until I started writing a blog. And then I was blogging and he's like, you know, that's a pretty young age to start writing seven or eight years old poetry and short stories. He's like, you've been a writer pretty much from the beginning that you could start, you that you could write. And so with his encouragement, plus that visioning exercise, I thought, hmm, maybe I do want to write a book. Who knew? And I run into that over and over with authors that they're like, they're blogging, they're writing, they do all this stuff. But that self-identification is not on, I am an author, I'm a writer. We just don't see ourselves like that. And I one of my big things is the reason I work so hard to get people writing is because I was on book number five that I had published before I could say without choking, yes, I'm an author. Isn't that stupid? I mean, do you suffer from the same thing? Oh my gosh. I have such major imposter syndrome about being an author. And I actually, one of the signature keynote talks that I give is around imposter syndrome. And I tell the stories about, you know, how it was so difficult for me to identify as an author. I actually started a writing group at a co-working space I was working at. And in the room, we had published authors, we had professional writers, we had people who had published dissertations, Um, You know, people like me who were working on a book who had been, you know, blogging and writing for many, many years, both professionally and, you know, for my own enjoyment. And there was not one of us in the room that felt like we could claim the title of author. And the day that I realized this through a conversation we were having, we had a very fascinating conversation that followed around, well, what really is the criteria for us to feel like we can finally claim this title? If it's not based on whether or not you have a book published or book sales or what is it really about? And I realized from our conversation that, you know, it was a different benchmark for each of us. And really, we didn't even know how to define like when we would consider ourselves to be an author. We just knew that we didn't consider ourselves to be authors collectively. And I thought, wow, this is fascinating to me because at that point in time, I was about halfway through writing my book. I had really dedicated to the art and the craft of writing. I had joined several writing groups, started my own writing group, attended writing conferences, joined writing, um, all kinds of, you know, uh, trainings and all sorts of things. And I was like, what makes me an author if not the work of writing a book and the process of writing a book. And I I find it fascinating how the internet, as much as I love blogs, as much as I love people who are bloggers, I mean, that's how I got my start when it came to media. Actually, technically, I started in radio, but I moved to blogging because it was very easy for me. I would just talk and then somebody else would transcribe the article for me. (laughs) And But even then, I didn't consider myself technically a writer at that point. So 
Yeah, that imposter syndrome, man, it is, uh, it's a wicked beast. And so when you run into people who kind of have that, what are your, do you have like top three tips, a couple of tips that you can give people that are like you and I struggling to self-identify as an author? You know, specifically to self-identifying as an author, I really invite anyone who is in the process of writing any form or fashion to decide and claim the title of author, even maybe before you feel entirely ready. I mean, if you are doing the work, then that counts. If you are doing the work of writing, and when I say that, I also include doing the work of having um, writer's block and doing the work of procrastinating writing, because part of my process was I had this moment when I realized that writer's block and procrastinating my writing project is actually part of the writing process. I don't think you actually get a completed book without having writer's block and without having procrastination. So there was one point in my process that I decided just the fact that I'm sitting here having writer's block and agonizing over it, and the fact that I'm procrastinating writing, not all the time, but some of the time, is actually an indication that I am a real author because I think this is a universal experience that we all have. So, you know, really look for those those parts of the process that really show you are actually an author. You're, you're doing the work. And when you're not doing the work, you are experiencing the same challenges and struggles that all of us as authors have experienced before you. And if you are experiencing that, you are an author, just like the rest of us. And so you mentioned that you started your own writer's group. Do you still run one? Do you still run a writer's group or... I do not run one now. I, I started one at, and it was a time-based one at the co-working space that I was at, like I mentioned. And it was, um, when I started it, it was just a several month group to work on a specific writing project. Um, but I am part of Shut Up and Write, which is all across the globe, I think, I believe. And I believe it is international. I've heard enough about it. It's a wonderful organization. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a group of people that get together to have dedicated time to basically shut up and write and work on whatever writing project they have going on. And so, you know, that's really the main one that I've been involved in is the Shut Up and Write group, although I have been part of other groups and organizations. But Shut Up and Write has been the one that I've had the most longevity with because it's just great to when we can be in person together, (laughs) to sit down in a room and write with other people. And that really led to me also scheduling writing sprints with other friends who were writers. And so in addition to attending writing groups multiple times per week, I was also scheduling writing sprints with friends um, multiple times per week as well in my process. And I have found that when it comes to the writing process, I always encourage people, go find a writer's group. And I have been meeting on Zoom since 2015 with a particular group of writers, and we include new people. And so if you're interested in that, go ahead and look at my website. I'd be glad to help you guys out. But here, I was actually going to promote Krista. If you happen to have one, I was going to like, go to her writing you know, group. It doesn't matter. Join several. You know, The thing is, get in the company of writers. They are the only ones who understand you. Do not expect or ask your friends or family to understand you. Only writers are going to understand why you're sitting there agonizing because you have three synonyms for this word that you want to use and none of them are correct (laughs) or is that just me (laughs) 
it's definitely not just you. And I totally agree with being in the company of writers because they understand, all of us understand in a way that other people really can't. And there was actually, I joined Northern Colorado Writers, which is a writing group here in uh, Northern Colorado, and they have a, an annual retreat. And um, one year, my friend from my writing group asked if I was going to attend the Northern Colorado Writers Retreat. And I I told him no, that I hadn't really considered it. And then I realized as soon as he had asked me and I had responded that I hadn't actually considered attending, I realized the reason I hadn't considered attending was because I had this belief in my mind that those were real writers and I'm not a real writer, right? I mean, I'm like, I don't know what I am, but not a real writer. (laughs) I realized that thought even existed in my mind. I was so determined and I bought my ticket to the retreat and I went to the retreat and it was a fantastic experience to spend, you know, two and a half, three days with other people writing. We had so much time to actually write, but in between those times that we had writing, we also would sit around and talk about the process of writing, the identity of being an author, the struggles and challenges we had. And it was a fantastic experience. I highly encourage people to grab a buddy and go on a retreat. Uh, retreat. You know, there's plenty of places that you can do that. And I have a friend who is a murder mystery uh, writer. And I love her to bits because she's also a registered nurse and she works in the OR. And so as a scientist myself, I like her murder mysteries because she doesn't have somebody get a concussion and have them run across a field or something like that. You know, she keeps things real. And so she, I tease her about she's the real writer because she's doing, she's creating worlds. She's creating characters and storylines. I'm like, I'm just a nonfiction writer. (laughs) Anyway, we laugh about that, but I would love, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk a little bit about your book, beautiful, badass, how to believe in yourself against the odds. Cause I think that just totally fits in with the whole process of writing too. And uh, everybody walks away with something different in your in your book because you you go through so many of the systems you talk about spiritual emotional mental and physical barriers to our own betterment to our own uh work and how we are very good at self-sabotage and so you give us these beautiful tools excellent questions to kind of dig in and one of the things that has been said a lot on the internet, and I would like to dig into it because there's so much where people will say, you really need to work on your self-care. And this is chapter six from your book. It's on page 41. And one of the beautiful quotes from it is, women will define self-care as a luxury instead of a priority. Or better yet, the other quote is, women will be glad to give themselves self-care as soon as they know everybody else is taken care of. And this is especially true of mothers of young children. So go ahead, take it away, Krista. Talk to us about self-care at basic levels. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like self-care is this word that we're pretty familiar with now and it gets thrown out a lot and we do tend to think of it sometimes as luxury items such as you know baths and massages and things like that Um, but also what I find is that self-care is still not something that we necessarily prioritize as women and maybe even as individuals and I have to be very true for myself I found for years even once I knew what self-care was and it was a priority in my life it still got pushed down the list right it's sort of like this, let me take care of this other thing first. Well, let me just take care of this work thing. Let me take care of this family thing, this friend thing. 
and then there will be time for self-care. And the, the time that I was able to truly prioritize my self-care is when it was life or death, basically. When I was in a situation where it was like, if I don't stop and take care of myself, I'm going to get sick, like very, very sick, which I did have happen. Actually, what started me blogging many years ago was I went through a series of health issues I had seven surgeries in six years. I got shingles at the age of 35. And all of these things were related to stress. And it was like, I really have to start doing something very, very differently because this is not working. (laughs) And so when it was that kind of scenario, I was able to prioritize health self-care. But outside of that, it was always like that fell to the lap bottom of the list, the last thing everyone else is taking care of. And so I really differentiate in the book between basic self-care and what it really looks like to take care of ourselves, which includes, you know, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, you know, going for walks, taking breaks throughout the day, things like that, um, to differentiating also more advanced self-care and what that looks like. And that's often things like setting boundaries, saying no when we need to say no, pursuing our own passions. That's a form of self-care. You know, if you are a writer sitting down to write, that brings you joy. I mean, maybe sometimes tears too, but that is self-care to take that time to say, I am very passionate about this and I want to spend time on this and how important it is. And we talk about the oxygen mask scenario, you know, when you're on a plane and they say, put your own oxygen mask on first. And I, I talk about this in the book and, you know, that scenario is great. But the thing we have to realize is that when we're talking about the oxygen mask and putting your own on first, we're talking about doing that when it's an emergency, right? The plane's going down, the plane is going down. Everyone is at risk. This is a life or death situation. Put on your mask first. So that's how we approach self-care so much of the time. It's like when it's life and death, when it's an emergency. Um, but what does it look like to prioritize it every day instead of just when it's an emergency? And how can that shift the way that we show up, not only for ourselves, but for all of the people that we love and support, for our family, for our friends, for clients, for our jobs, and all of those other areas. It's fascinating to me how I was raised and how I'm having to learn to be now as a solopreneur and all that. I've been working for myself for over 30 years, but it's still, it was a process to get to a point where I could even put myself first because I had four young children under the age of 10 when I was first starting to write my books and stuff like that. And, and so just the, nobody warned me about the physicality of motherhood. And I'm talking about working with a toddler, working with somebody who's in diapers, working with a third that can walk, but still has trouble buttoning shirts, you know, just the physicality of dealing with four little humans that (laughs) they need help with eating. Like we teach them how to eat with a spoon, you know, And and I always, whenever my kids start teasing me about how behind the times I am and stuff like that, I go, listen, Buster, I taught you how to use a spoon. Little respect. And they're like, ooh, ouch, burn, you know? (laughs) And so it's all done with a lot of, a lot of joking and everything, but 
but that I think that is the point is that a lot of us are having to be trained in this advanced self-care. And this is on page 105. For those of you reading along, beautiful, badass, uh, while listening to this, um, page 105, where you say, be awesomely selfish. You need to spend time, money. Thank you, the financial first responder in me. Appreciate you saying money. So we need to spend time, money, and energy pursuing those big dreams. You need to be more selfish. So take it away. Tell us a little bit about that, Krista. So many of us, myself included, were raised with the idea that selfishness is an inherently negative trait. It's a, it's a horrible thing to be. If you are selfish, you will not be worthy. You will not be loved. You will not be respected, right? All of these messages that we might be getting from being selfish or what it means to be selfish. But what I find is that if being selfish is something that you are afraid of, if you would feel really upset if someone were to call you that, chances are you are very far to the opposite extreme and you are selfless and too much selfless. Right. So I think we all know examples of people that are truly selfish and that those aren't the people that I'm speaking to here. I'm talking to the people who really the last thing that they would want for someone to say about them is that they're selfish. And that's the audience. Those are the people that I want to reach, the people like me, maybe the people like you, Janine, (laughs) that we give so much of ourselves that we don't really have much left over to truly reach our full potential, to be the best that we can be in the things that really matter and are really important. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying be awesomely selfish, be selfish in a way that you are serving your higher good and the higher good of the collective whole because you are pursuing your passions, your dreams, you are reaching your fulfilled potential and you aren't settling, you aren't making do with what's left over, you aren't surviving, you're moving beyond that state into something bigger and better. And I totally agree with the fact that for some of us who were raised, um, I'm a recovering Catholic, as I like to say, and for those of us who were raised in that kind of paradigm, to be called selfish was like one of the worst things that could possibly happen. And so you were kind of instructed to be in fear of that. You didn't want that to be, you know, you didn't want to be that person. Uh, But one of the things that happened in my world was uh, it leaves you open to being abused in not necessarily a physical way, but emotionally and mentally to where you will give to a point that there is nothing left to give. And I ended up in that kind of situation. And then after that, after I came out of that, when I really started making time for my passions, such as writing and art and listening to music and dancing, yes, that is my form of exercise. I put on my favorite playlist and I just start dancing around the house. And I don't worry about people calling me crazy because, you know, I think I'm just confirming what everybody should know anyway. But I just wanted to share with folks that when when Krista talks to you about advanced selfishness, I really want you to pay attention to that chapter because it was that 
arena that I realized how I was opening and leaving myself open to being emotionally, mentally, and spiritually abused. And so there were some deep scars in self-development I had to do because of that. And I just wanted to share with those other wonderful recovering Catholics out there, recovering from whatever uh, spiritual paradigm you have (laughs) in your world, that We are taught selflessness, but please realize the people that are teaching you selflessness are the ones that want to be in control of your life. And you do not want to be under anybody's control except your own higher self or your own source. So thank you for writing that chapter. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. I'm not going to give any spoilers on that. You guys need to read this book. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on, maybe, Krista, that you'd like to talk a little bit more about your book? Because, you know, of course, I guided these questions to what I wanted to talk about. But what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Yeah, and I love hearing people's takeaways from my book, from my talks that I give, because really, I like to think that there's something in there for everyone to really meet people where they're at. And I do want to add something that I felt like was very important to me. And it really inspired me writing this particular book. Why I wrote this book was having spent so many years sitting in rooms, doing self-development work, doing personal development work, doing professional development work, and seeing the people at the front of the stage or reading authors who honestly, most of the time come from a very privileged perspective. And not to say that there's anything wrong with having privilege. If you've got it, awesome. But having grown up in poverty, having lived with mental illness in my family, and having a lot of other barriers and you know limitations on my situation growing up, I would sometimes get frustrated from sitting in these rooms or reading these books that were written from a very privileged perspective. And they assumed certain access to resources or certain access to tools. And so they're giving this advice that doesn't necessarily apply to everyone in the room. And they probably don't even realize it, right? Because we tend to express ourselves from our own experience and assume that, you know, most people are like us. But the hard part about that is that if you are someone who has less privilege than the person you are trying to learn from, You don't always know how to apply what they're saying to your situation because there is so much assumption of access to resources, access to tools, you know, those types of things. And so this was really a huge inspiration for me for writing this particular book because, yes, it is a self-help book. It's a personal development book, um, but it's really written from the perspective of you have to start from where you are. And it is a wholly positive and wonderful thing to acknowledge the very real barriers that are in place for you so that you can leverage what you do have instead of trying to make something work that was never going to work for for you because you didn't have the right tools, you didn't have the right resources. And so, so much of what I write in this book really continually comes back to this place of How does this apply to you? Where do you come from within the context of what I'm talking about? What barriers are in place for you? And so let's acknowledge those things so that you can be empowered to do more with what you have rather than feel like you're somehow failing because you can't accomplish the same thing that someone who has access to a higher level of resources can accomplish. 
And that's Krista Barr, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have found her words as inspiring as I do. The book that she has written is Beautiful Badass, How to Believe in Yourself Against the Odds. Positive thinking will only take you so far, she says, especially when contending with trauma, mental illness, or economic instability, and other factors that act as barriers to our own personal success. In her particular memoir of self-help, she shares heartfelt stories and lessons of overcoming abuse, poverty, and depression to create a life that literally works for her. And I am so grateful that you are sharing such intimate details about your life in this book. I I know very few people who wouldn't find some sort of inspiration story or be able to actually find connection points in their own life about, oh my gosh, I struggled with that, you know, in this book. So Krista, how can somebody get a hold of you if they want to reach out and maybe join a group or get on a newsletter list of yours? Absolutely. So my website is liveandlovework.com. So that's under my business name, Live Love Work. So if you go there, you can find information about me as a speaker, about my book. You can contact me there. I also run a women's leadership group that is introvert focused. It is called She Goes High. And you can find us at shegoeshigh.us. So She Goes High is going to be a much more interactive experience than going to my Live Love Work website. Um, because there is a community of women within She Goes High. And many of the things that I write about in my book, we are practicing actively in She Goes High. And we are supporting each other to grow personally and professionally. And it's really all about women supporting women. Sounds fabulous to me. Thank you so much for your time today. I know that you're as highly engaged as many uh, sought after speakers. And it's a pleasure to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much. It's been great. And this is Janine Bolin and Krista Barr with the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. Keep your feet firmly on the ground. Keep your hands on the keyboard and keep imagining those stars that you're shooting for. Thank you for listening to the Writer's Hour. To hear more about the creative conversations that Janine Bolin is sharing with her listeners, please visit JanineBolin.com forward slash guest. <laughs>